Hey Akshat, welcome to the All Box of Life podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much, and I think in all the retakes, <laughs> you've lost that smile of yours. <laughs> I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I get, I get that quite a bit apparently. Yeah. But hey, yeah, that's that's really nice. So we were just having a conversation as to the kind of things that you are involved in. Right. Just for the benefit of the viewers, can you sort of share um, what sort of keeps you busy and yeah, what floats your boat? So I, by education, I did my mechanical engineering. I did my B Tech, followed by my M Tech, and I did a year of PhD as well. And then you know, kind of, I stopped, started working. I had my own. you know consultancy and this was all happening in russia and i came back to india in 2000 and uh, since then it's been a strange roller coaster ride where i have dabbled in a lot of different things i've had my own uh, hr consulting firm was which was the last corporate corporate thing that i did although that's not true now because i have joined <laughs> delhi street art as the ceo so i am back to the corporate thing as well yeah so for the longest time i uh, got into art and i uh, stuck with it uh, initially as an artist myself and then i got into curation organizing festivals and stuff yeah and then since last year uh, i've joined delhi street art yeah. as a ceo so we were just talking about the re- the the many retakes that we have taken yeah. and in some of the retakes we were sort of talking about this whole aspect that um, so traditionally or how we sort of look at um the sort of general landscape of things in 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 the world we live in and if someone sort of specializes if someone sort of learned a particular trade for a certain number of years if he's gone to school for that or something of that sort um individuals and even perhaps the person himself starts assort- associating himself or herself to that particular to that particular industry or to that particular line of work so what was it that sort of drew you towards the arts was that always an affinity that you had um or also primarily more on this whole specialization thing that did you sort of have a wide variety of interests when you went into college so, and you know that maybe um, you'd want to drift there, away there are many many questions in that and yeah. you know, there there are long answers i'll try and you know kind yeah. of Categorize bring it. them up you know one by one and kind of in a, I, in a I, chronological <laughs> kind of way connecting it with what i have experienced because sure. nothing i i don't think there's any set pattern that humans need to follow yeah. and i think that's one of the problems with which i see around myself that people trying to follow a pattern uh, which has you know supposedly different societies have different patterns that they follow and uh, so i also followed you know you you're born and then you follow up with your education you have higher education and then you know the higher education prepares you for a job that's primarily what it does and then you get into the job and the job has levels that you cross and you know probably if you want to take a jump you move into industry and you know i mean there's no change i mean what all you do is a different kind of job different role that you perform but you just keep pursuing you know that pattern that has been set for you so the path is already there which you assume that is already there mm-hmm. also over a period of time it's you know inbuilt into your genetics that you start believing that that's how life is to be lived and but thankfully you know i think being a 90s kid and i mean i was kid in the 80s and then you know, in the 90s was when i think a lot of indians at least broke away from this norm you know and all the rjs and the djs and you know everything started coming as a possibility not just to generate revenue for yourself or, or an income for yourself but also as a passion to be explored and not just explored just on the surface of it but really artistically grow into it So with all these things, you know, and and I did my B Tech and my M Tech. I went for a scholarship, and I did one year of PhD as well. And then I dropped out because I was already heading a uh, you know representative office of a Dubai-based company there, in Moscow. That is, 
I was still following what you know I had got into. You know, I, was, I mean, I didn't become an engineer because I really want. I didn't know if I wanted to be or not. But uh, I got this brilliant opportunity to travel abroad and you know explore things. I think that opened a lot of life for me, life changing things. I came back to India in two thousand and started to look for something, and it was very bleak because as an engineer, I was getting just too low an amount. as a salary i didn't i just didn't want to go into it so i started my own businesses then till 2006 i had a consulting firm an hr consulting firm and which was quite exciting because we used to be head hunting for the top levels and all and there was a partner of mine and just one day the money was good mm. and you know kind of exciting also you calling up you know dubai you calling up singapore hiring people for you know i mean some of the clients i don't want to name them but yes we did their topmost hiring as well so it was exciting to get these you know head hunting is an in- interesting mm-hmm. thing but then i just lost i mean i i i thought is this the end of it you know I mean, i'll just keep having newer clients and i'll have newer you know things and that's the end of it so i actually quit i asked my partner to buy me out and that was the end of that story oh, at wow. least so for a year and a half i didn't do anything sort of exploring i didn't do much i just sat home and watched tv and everything and then I started writing first, and then you know, kind of wrote short stories. Then I started writing a novel, which I completed about two fifty pages, which is still one third of that, and that's the end of that chapter. Also, why unfortunately, not, why, aren't we getting a warrant piece from Akshay? I know, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, and it was it was a fiction, and I like writing fiction. I'm not really a nonfiction person. I read a lot of fiction as well, so I, that's what I churn out also. But then, and then I found an old. canvas lying around so must have been from my childhood because my mother you know as i was telling you that you know she is the one with the skills and the passion and unfortunately having been born in an orthodox indian family she could not really explore really explore her uh, talent i mean she was a very good sportsman state level and all but she could never travel out of she was a very good singer she was a very good dancer and she was a very good artist she did her distance learning from jj and you know followed it up with that he used me and my sister as a conduit for you know sort of exploring what she could not explore herself she would take us for gymnastics i and my sister were uh, delhi number 1 and 2 oh wow in gymnastics i mean that's still school we i mean i did participate in the shankars and i got one of the prizes long back and all but then education you know kind of i remember i went for a gymnastics tournament i won the second uh, i mean the prize mm-hmm. for the state I came back. I was awarded, and I was given a zero in the test that had happened on that day when I was out. So, kind of, you know, so education took over, and I had to leave that. So, in all of this, I found this canvas lying around, and some colors which had I don't know how miraculously just survived because they generally dry up and they are not usable. I just started applying. Didn't really make anything great, and uh, but I liked the process. I just liked the process of putting paint on canvas. I then searched for an institute. I thought maybe I'll just go back to Russia because Russia was famous for art and all that. And and seven years of I thought that's too long. Then I looked at College of Art and other options. And then I realized I didn't need a degree because that's those four years are you know I I don't want to again get stuck. I just wanted to get the basics and the techniques right. So then I could just go on and explore. And I did my you know course from Delhi College of Art and. Uh, 2008-9 we had a final exhibition students exhibition and then followed by three group shows with some friends of mine then some more curated shows and all and i realized that 
a lot of people don't understand that there is more to art than just creating art okay yeah so for the because you create art and again there is a life cycle there's a whole industry there's a whole industry so how do you engage with the industry also how do you become a part of that industry and how do you take it forward from that so on all steps that i have taken and you know so i have explored a lot of different things be it comics street art and delhi street art i actually volunteered with them from the second event that they did in 2013 of painting the dustbins at the lodi garden so from that time i have you know been a volunteer just coming in and going whenever i had that time yeah and similarly for other things i mean so i was a part of the first comic con we released a comic and then we that so we had groups you know a lot of these uh, collectives and they were very fluid collectives so within the collectives we you know different people would come together and all that did for me was explore expose me to a lot of different things and i realized that i just didn't want to be stuck with any one single thing so i don't want to be called an artist i don't want to be called a curator i don't want to be called a single person i am i am a human being exploring everything that i can yeah beat science also so i and and languages so i speak read and write russian obviously english and hindi i tried learning japanese for two and a half years but then you know i was working so it, it was not happening and i wanted to learn the language because i wanted to read the manga you know and yeah, you know I, know. <laughs> i wanted to you know look at anime without the subtitles and all i just wanted to enjoy it as it is urdu script writing from rekta and from different places so i want to you know kind of put everything into my basket yeah fair enough why do you think it is difficult for individuals though because there are some people and as as you were saying you were in the same spot you were doing well for yourself you were in the corporate space right. um but some people even if they might have an inkling that they sort of want to do something else they can't because they sort of maybe it's because they're too attached maybe they have too many lab maybe there's just too many things uh, on them or perhaps sometimes some individuals don't think like that now i don't now i don't know maybe it's perhaps because of the socialization that they might have that they the friends that they hang out with or the kind of stuff that they're reading or engaging with so i think it's a it's a bit of everything, everything right because because one of the main problems is peer pressure mm-hmm. you kind of get into it so one thing is you don't realize that there is an opportunity that's one part the second part is you are afraid to if, even when an opportunity you know comes knocking because you don't know if you will succeed or fail and success is the only thing that counts supposedly i don't think it matters mm-hmm. success is also a measurement right it's not a pass and fail thing so yeah. su- you take away learnings from a failure and that might come so it's a success too so so that's another problem peer pressure is a problem other one more problem that i feel is that we've started to look at our own identities as reflections of what people tell us rather than trying to explore who we are we try and you know just engage with people and their reactions their acknowledgement of our success mm-hmm. is what is important to us so i think that somewhere needs to change and this this whole thing like like i walked in and i asked you should i tie up my hair and then like, or, or should i just <laughs> do, do whatever you want because i just yeah. don't know how i look i actually don't look at the mirror a lot of times right this is kind of awkward for you then <laughs> no that's okay so i'm again not looking at the i look at my i i know yeah. generally how i look but i'll tell you there are days when i look you know i pass by a mirror or just look at myself and i'm like shit okay this is how i look right now because <laughs> it's not important for me anymore mm-hmm. i have this assumption of myself this is generally what i look like and this is what i live with so i'm mm-hmm. my i mean i know i'm dressing up i yeah, i know yeah. that i'm you know planning for certain things but i don't necessarily look at how i'm looking what i'm planning for what is happening i just move into the things 
yeah i mean i know that certain attire is required yeah. for a certain space i'll probably just wear it and then just go i don't press my shirts i don't i, I don't think it's important for yeah. me it might be important for a lot of the other people i still wear the same suit which i uh, got made for my marriage 20 years back nothing wrong with that yeah I mean, a, I I still fit into it. <laughs> That's a big thing, but uh, I just don't need them as often. So why why do I need to just you know waste my time and my energy in just trying to acquire these things? But you I must have gone of... through twenty jeans in a year. Okay, because I just use them as rough more as possible. Often, yeah, that that's what I wear yeah. all the time. So you think it sort of leads more into the whole aspect of confirmation bias that obviously there's like the whole aspect of society that's telling you one thing about maybe your profession where you live who right. you sort of work with and all that kind of stuff but also yourself because the more you sort of look into the mirror or mm-hmm. the more you sort of um engage with people that you might perhaps not be interested in hanging out with but you you do it nonetheless it sort of consolidates your own aspect because what sure. is true for you then right like so truth is always relative yeah. is what i mean facts are never facts really i mean i know we live in a era of fake news yeah. or whatever but facts are always a perspective they are always a view point so this vantage point where does it lie hmm. the same incident is seen differently by different people right because they've got not just their different vantage points but they're coming with a different understanding of life altogether they've lived a life and this is what they see so in an accident people will respond differently to whatever that accident is happening some will try to help some will just watch some will have their mobiles on mm-hmm. so it's it's always going to be different about the same incident or the fact that is there yeah. so when this information overload is anyways there and you know we are just gigabytes by gigabytes that's what we consume we are consuming every single moment what do we retain right at the end of the day everything that we are creating i mean as a, as a creator mm-hmm. as an artist whatever i do nothing is really original because there is some some something subconsciously which has seeped in it could be very uh, i mean in your face kind of a thing which i deliberately can include but there's so many things which just you know just get retained in the mind and the mind plays this game that you know that i come up with this original nothing really is original it's not yours yeah for sure yeah so one so i was recently having this conversation with uh, kavya sharma and she's a poet and a mm-hmm. and a writer herself and i sort of mentioned this line i sort of picked it up from javed akhtar so i was watching an interview of his and he was like so he was asked ki how do you write great poetry or like how do you get better at it yeah. and, and things of this sort and he's like to have the audacity to write one line of poetry you have to like consume 100 so what he sort of meaning by that is ki everyone so there's another sort of quote that goes around ki um if you want to write great poetry you have to risk being cringe and i think that is true in many aspects not simply poetry but in many of the artists some excellent in being cringe yeah 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 it's 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 about the fine balance ki matlab you 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 have to sort of walk that balance uh, i think it's about exploration i think mm. all these people a you know when javed akhtar ji is talking about that you need to read poetry mm. that's absolutely true because the meter might or might not matter but if you're getting into free verse do you really understand what free verse is how does it work is there still a symphony is there still a narrative to it how do you do that yeah and generally it can happen by just reading a it can give you you know brilliant examples of wow you know this is something great but at the same time you can come across something and like this is definitely not what i am doing and this no knowledge of your likes and dislikes kind of you know also defines who you are for sure as long as you are conscious about what you're doing so you read so i read i mean off late 
not as much but i love reading yeah. and books and they can be all sorts as long as they're not self help books yeah. i read every single thing <laughs> <laughs> so fiction non fiction biographies every single thing and you know science fiction and all is brilliant yeah, i just yeah. love it because that that canvas is so huge it opens your it opens your sort of perspective as to yeah how things can be right because we sort of already we have our own presuppositions of how things are um it's nice to sort of have these conversations hmm. or sort of go to different places to sort right. of open your mind and see that it you might be sort of stuck in your um sort of echo echo chambers and and we are always find, in our echo chambers yeah. absolutely because i mean i i have realized this repeatedly that whenever i start feeling that you know i know something i come to know that i don't know much because hmm. there's somebody always doing it differently or you know I mean, things can be done. That's the Socratic method in you already. Yeah. You see, there you I go. Mean, I, 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 don't <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I have read about everything and uh. a lot of philosophy as well. But it's good to read. I mean, going back to what you were saying about Javed Akhtar, you know, reading and you know, learning, and it's also about doing. Hmm. So you should read a lot. You should do a lot. There will be crap, and there will be stuff that will come from that crap, which will be really gold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that assessment not necessarily needs to come from the publishers if they're, you know, if it's about poetry or or from your readers. It has to come from within. If you're not able to discern if something is good or bad, I think you are not connected with your own creation, and that's important. So everybody who creates knows at a certain level that you know, wow, this is great, or shit, this is not good enough. So kind of an an inner. Uh, Uh, assessment of what you've created is important. It's always helpful. Yeah, it is. It is. I think this is a very interesting concept I came across very recently. I don't know if I entirely agree with it or not. So there's this podcast I really admire. His name is Amit Varma. He's a journalist and and writer among other things. So he says that, and he's been doing his show for a while now. And he says that one way he thinks he's gotten better at it is the conversations is simply by having a lot. So he means that generally people do quality over quantity, which in some sense does work for the for for the vast majority of things. But he does believe that quantity in some sense can lead towards quality, because the more as long can, as you're conscious about, yeah. as long as you're critical of your own self yeah. and and trying to analyze and you're working towards mm. you know making it better, trying to learn from it. Then yeah, I mean definitely you will. I mean a lot of people yeah, don't get better. Yeah, that's why I say yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you you can still be like you can still be not producing the best kind of stuff, yeah. but still be caught up with the algorithm saying that oh th- these are the certain number of things that are coming your way. But yeah, I don't know. I I do think though that if if you are involved in a particular skill, even if it's conversation, writing mm. poetry, painting, whatever it may be, um, the more you sort of engage with it, the the better. Or or maybe the more nuanced your understanding about that particular subject area does become. and i may be wrong but yeah no no i think you you are right but i also want to point out how i mean like you're talking about you know your skill hmm. what is a skill skill is a technique and and your yeah. ability to do something right a skill can be acquired but can talent really be acquired it can be hmm. but because you know i mean that's the repetition model you right. repeat yeah, things yeah, yeah. so i kind of agree with that but i think that in that repetition if there is no consciousness involved if you are not really into it you know trying to understand why it went right what went wrong what can be done better what are the others thinking about what do i think about what they are thinking so all these they can there has to be a constant conversation with your inner self when when i say inner self inner self is always woke and looking at what is happening around yeah. you so it's not just a flow i mean you look at a film right you watch the film you just get you know just just flow along with it it ends but you always have certain things that stay with you certain things that don't some certain things consciously certain things subconsciously so you 
to be able to alert yourself towards subconscious triggers i think that's an interesting i'm not a saint and i'm yeah, not about yeah. again about that i'm not talking about that kind of awakening but i'm i still feel that as humans we have a certain uh, time that is given to us which we have absolutely no control over we just don't know anything so might as well try and enjoy whatever you are doing and while you are enjoying it try to plan for the future which you have no control over yeah but you still plan because if you don't plan there is there's nothing to look forward to for sure so so those things are there um i just wanted to make a point and i just no forgot. my only thing okay. my only thing with the quantity leading to quality in some sense was if you if one is sort of engaging with that particular endeavor for such a long period of time right that would mean maybe i'm wrong that that would mean that perhaps that there is some sort of interest that they do have in that particular area and if they do have interest maybe they would sort of read widely in that particular landscape of how i don't know how things can be better or what they can do to sort of um improve their craft improve their art um that's what i think about you it you can but... improve your craft that's exactly the point you can improve the craft but can mm. you build the content that content where is that going to come from yeah and that can come from whatever you are experiencing repeatedly when you're doing it again and again and that workhorse thing works brilliantly because your skill will definitely get better yeah. there's no doubt about it as long as you are again you know you're working towards it right. and you're learning how to do it better but how do you bring in how do you start realizing that this is me you know this is that quotient that makes me different from whoever else is there so you are a podcaster and you're talking about amit verma so amit will have a different style of working at For things sure. yeah. you will also have a different one and it has to change mm. i think it has to always evolve otherwise you start repeating yourself once that realization comes that you know this is i mean like i mean i really used to love nilesh mishra's you know slow all, interviews yeah, i mean slow interviews and actually much before that when he used to be on reading out stories and all now when i listen to him on the radio i switch off because i i it's almost as if he's parading himself his del- that deliberate slowness that deliberation is overpowering for me mm-hmm. and this is just me you know i mean and it's unfortunate i've seen him up close and you know and uh, really a, I, i was really a big fan still i am of all the work that he's done yeah. before i'm not really enthused by what he does right now and but again that's me trying to learn more about myself what i like or don't like for sure yeah it's not about him as much it's about me and probably it's a very selfish thing to say don't you think maybe it can also be the case that at that particular period in your life hmm. you were perhaps more you're more interested in that kind of like no, conversations it, so or so one thing could be novelty no no i still love listening yeah, yeah, to yeah. people and 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 everything but the way he used to present the story it it seemed natural hmm now it does not seem natural it seems contrived right and that is where you know i've started to step away from it yeah. and i'm not enjoying it anymore but yeah, i mean the stories uh, are good stories are still good there's stories some of the stories are actually much better cuz he's really going out to find those stories get others to you know write and and so yeah he's making an effort absolutely and i and i can see that and i appreciate that part but what the end product is something that i have not been able to you know live with as easily as i used to before so it could have been the novelty factor also mm-hmm. because it happened for the first time although i remember when i was very young uh, we used to have this person who used to come on radio and read out stories and that was brilliant i remember i used to be mesmerized because tv was still just two channels actually one channel right doordarshan and then we had the dd you know yeah. uh, dd2 that came after that 
yeah i am really old <laughs> no but it's exciting that i have seen everything kind of change we've seen the vjs come on we've seen M- i have seen mtv come alive and all and uh, that access never used to be there and and the time that we used to spend in the so i can kind of see where you know the oldies come from and they say you know that the generation now has no time for anything they just don't go out i love to play outside yeah. i still play cricket every sunday oh wow play, where do you play so we play normal red ball you know i mean leather ball yeah. cricket and everything i play for a club for the last 14 years this is the 14th season that we are Damn. playing yeah so But anyway sorry to cut you off yeah no no so my point being that i really would like to go out still mm-hmm. and it is probably because i used to be just out of my house all the time unless my you know and there was no mobile right they couldn't call me back inside they had to call up a lot of my friends just to check which house am i in am i in any house at all or they would start searching for me and probably scold me and i'd get a nice beating as well in the evenings but that whole point of you know just going out and doing things those exploration that has changed this this entire uh, i'm accessible but yeah. that accessible has also taken away my freedom and my privacy but it's good to know you know i mean in challenging situations it is good to know probably but don't you think that's with the way um the media space and with the way people are interacting um just spending a large proportion of their times online or on the social media platforms will also create a different kind of art that will come out so that the the artists that do start creating who are sort of younger now and and things of that sort there'll be a different perspective of how they sort of look at art so we, i was referencing my conversation with anch and he does a lot of interesting work yeah. when it comes to the ai and generative art kind of space and maybe that's the future and maybe that would be the space where people would want to navigate on that sure like the 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 this future yeah i believe is transient okay it passes becomes today and past hmm. right so always remember that it's going to keep changing so i'm absolutely never going to be averse of any change or yeah. any modernization in terms of technology taking over certain things am i really enthused about ai not really i mean it's as long as it's a end to a means mm. means to a tool it's fine but as once i am thinking about it doing the work yeah i mean that's okay i mean a lot of work around us is anyways done by machine learning and sure. and, and through ai and all but is that supposed to be the end of it right I, and i really respect the people who've done the coding who've done the background which allows a computer to start you know kind of to be a brain on its own learn certain things and do things repeatedly much better than what a human would do but the human failure you know in in certain senses our mistakes are also beautiful i mean i i actually feel that that which is perfect is never that beautiful for me mm-hmm. you know some things when they are a little crooked is what makes them better because that they seem to be original so this perfection and the imperfections so i mean again if you go back to the industrial revolution where you have the machines coming in and and taking over the jobs and everything imagine a potter and a machine right they're two different people so the potter making that they also do you know i mean they repeatedly make the same thing but it's never the same thing there's always going to be a you know micron of difference in the shape that will come out but in a machine's case no it's going to be the same as long as there is no issue in the in the right. you know the coding yeah. or the you know whatever the, the it's very mechanized it's like it's very mechan- it's going to be just repeating yeah. itself which is fine as but it's fine for a consumer society right we are consuming so much yeah. then it's fine but then when you are so you're talking about so many people generating so many things and then they will learn and then there's more to come in the future the challenge is 
there's so much of it how do i consume everything for sure and so what happens is the attention span keeps going down so i give a video i mean so reels are like 15 seconds and even i don't last 15 seconds with them <laughs> so so the whole point is this attention span you know and and we're talking of a long format interview right now i don't know how many people would have switched off 10 minutes long back, back. Yeah, yeah. long back the first 15 <laughs> seconds and then you know they said oh man here's yeah. another guy you know just telling us what to do <laughs> no but the point of how do you keep it sane hmm. there's just too much data even for myself if i want to listen to you know i mean things i want to do a lot of things where is the time to do everything but then i think exploration is important and and out of all of this you know that gigabyte terabyte and whatever that we are creating for ourselves i i have created so many folders of my photographs my old you know i'm all my material that i have and i have photographs which i had scanned these photographs are from 1970 when i was born 73 i was born so they are photographs of others who have taken of me and i still had the scans of the photographs are ephemeral yeah they they disappear and they mm. they crumble and you know it's paper and just you know fades away and everything but i mean i can lose it in the digital world also yeah, exactly. but there is a possibility to have retained it google photos mm. whatever you know cloud or clouds and yeah, yeah hard disk cd whatever you know yeah. pen drives and everywhere that i have kept it but i there are times when i just find an old photograph folder it could be a digital one or or uh, you know a, a hard mm-hmm. hard copy and i start going into that so what i am experiencing at that moment is much better than anything that i'm going to do with that material otherwise because that's a very personal engagement i could actually come up with a lot of things from that and then replicate it in in my stories what i do in my work what i do in my conversations that i have with people so i think these these they become the physical repositories of our memories they they are actually yeah. evidence of that but there's so many memories which are just there and not there like right. sense of smell so there can be a smell you know roti that chapati ah. being made there can be times when it can trigger a memory of you know i mean decades back or you know when you were a child and you walked in and then from that trigger you move on to the next memory and to the next memory and it becomes a chain and by the end of it you just don't understand where did this yeah. come from right but those are those unknown memories and they're beautiful mm. i mean i can go past a bakery and suddenly you know i mean it can yeah. change i i could be transported to moscow and wherever i you know i used to be and we used to have these bakeries we used to buy direct you know fresh loaf of bread from there so that entire smell i mean so i think smell is one thing that we've not really been able to capture in whatever we create right yeah right so so yeah what i was saying that how do you keep these physical memories i mean which evidence mm-hmm. memories and these unknown memories unknown triggers for memories how do you keep them alive i think, I think yeah. that's a very interesting thing for the future is what i would want this is very interesting because um i don't know if you sort of come across film photography mm. so now there's sort of more of a movement that's sort of going towards and many of the professional photographers are starting shooting are starting to shoot film again mm. and i don't know i've sort of dabbled around with it and maybe it's perhaps a scarcity element of things that for example because you only have a certain number of re- a certain number of shots that you can take on a, on a, on, a, on a reel so you sort of prize those pictures much more or maybe when the photos do come out it's a little rawer than perhaps it does come out on the digital format so maybe i'm just being a romantic or whatever but it does it does sort of lead to having a, a much different experience as compared to i'm very to old digital. school in that i love the 
we roll cameras yeah. i still have a couple lying around they're not in the best shape and i'm using my mobile because that's mm-hmm. become the it's easiest convenient. thing yeah, it's yeah, convenient yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean because i'm i know why i'm taking photographs i'm taking that specific format for for the instagram yeah right so yeah. i have planned for it so all that and from my mobile is just perfect because mm-hmm. it just uploads directly from there but there is no replacement for film and especially if you are a photographer who processes their own film mm-hmm. and makes positives out of them and and the prints subsequently from and that. also that whole process of that the whole thing, chemical process yeah the yeah. chemical process and while that chemical process and there's a lot of uh, editing that can be done during that right. period as well which we don't do as much i mean regularly people just don't do that i know music camera and and other places are actually doing a brilliant job right. of trying to get back people to understand what are these different techniques of you know getting print photography is a print it's 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 a reflection of something it's it's the negative positive mm-hmm. you know but what happens with these film you know and and you spoke about how there is a specific number of shots that you can yeah. get and you've taken a shot i mean yeah and you know you in a di- uh, digital mode you can just Deleted. see how it is yeah, exactly. even if you want time. to even if you want to be selective about clicking you can take the photograph immediately check but that's not the case mm-hmm. I've had an incident where I forgot to load the camera. Oh wow. Okay. And I took all the photographs and there was nothing. It was a trip and nothing came out of it. So though there'll be these challenges which probably wouldn't have happened had I had a mobile or mm-hmm. a digital camera yeah that can happen probably if you're uh, you know the uh, if you're shooting on if your SD card you know I mean Oh right right. Yeah right. it corrupts still, or something still, yeah. you know I mean something but you will still have some memory of that you know. So that's happened. Also when you are processing that and you know you create that there's a sense of actual creation it's like giving birth mm-hmm. to something mm-hmm. from a digital perspective yeah i mean we have brilliant op- options available now with all the filters and although i'm not gung ho about all of yeah. them but yeah i mean i try to keep it auto simply because it's just easy you take what you like i am not a photographer but i like to frame things i mean that's all that i'm doing so when i'm looking i know that there is a play of light and shadow there is going to there is a sense so a lot of blurred photographs look beautiful to me because there's a perspective and it's triggering me to think about something that i from my life right and so anything can work and everything might just not be good enough but when you look at that i mean so that original question about that that restriction that limit that i have in front of me it does i think kind of push Indeed, me yeah. to be a little selective of what i do and it also you know kind of calms you down they can be panic as well yeah. you know i'm not left with enough but it calms you down because you've got to be calm you you i mean beyond a point once you've been practicing it you'll realize that you have to be better you have to be calmer to be able to get a better shot and you've got to true. plan your shot you've got to really work at it and that's where the work ethic can come in and that's where the work horses can do really well mm-hmm. it's it's about so when you do repeatedly but with focus i think you there's there's a better chance of doing something really successful out of that i've been having a really interesting conversation but uh, we've been so far in but i still haven't asked you how you sort of because you are in the art space right. and you are an art curator i'd be really interested to know how you sort of look at this sort of environment i think we've briefly touched about it but is there a particular way you look no, at I art i think i think one major issue and that's something that i've struggled with when i got into art and when i started to understand how people consume art right people don't really consume art i mean as long as it's a film where the investment is very limited personal investment i'm talking about the money mm-hmm. money is also low you can go to a art gallery for free 
you can just walk in look at the works i mean i know there can be people around and you know you might feel intimidated by them most people don't realize that it's a free option that you can just walk in look at the art and walk out and that experience can remain with you you don't need to buy anything you don't even need to have small talk you don't need to talk or ask for the price you know at least show as if you are a customer or a buyer you don't need to this whole consumption you know of art is so very important and i'm surprised at how you know coming from this subcontinent where art has always been a part of our lives exactly beat rangoli beat the wall painting beat any single thing even the the way you put out the food how it is laid out in a thali there's a, there's a pattern yeah. to it there's a there's a traditional pattern to it and people will play around with that there'll be bouquets there'll mm. be flower decoration there'll be how you plan your house and everything once that has been a part of your life how do we just move away from this you know why does it have to be a big name which has been you know spoken about multiple times on the social media and the newspaper mm. somebody is really going gaga over it and that's the reason why you go it no you're going for the celebrity status you're not going for the art art should be a very personal thing you just go i mean you spend 10 minutes you spend an hour you spend 10 seconds it yeah. it's up to you but it's about you trying to consume and see how you find it do you like it you don't like it yeah even in abstract art so you know a lot of figurative art people can understand that there's a human mm-hmm. figure there's a horse there's whatever you know something that they can associate with but in an abstract it's purely a response to the colors the shapes the textures whatever is there the scale of it you know installations people don't understand what's happening you don't have to understand art you just don't need to you don't even need to ask yeah i mean it can help at times to understand what the artist was planning for it because an artwork will have its two life cycles actually one and multiple one life has exactly. one life cycle is when the artist is creating it mm-hmm. and that the moment the artist decides okay now it's done that's the end that's of one it. life cycle the other life cycle is going to be every time a viewer stands in front of it and has their personal conversation mm-hmm. with it it could be good bad whatever it will be multiple and it will be always different similar at times but always different because that person that individual who walked in and is looking at it is coming you know he's just parked his car or probably just got off the metro had a fight with someone or just had a kiss by his love or whatever you know i mean i don't know what that person is carrying as a baggage exactly yeah and they come in and they look at something and then they will again because of their past memories they'll try and connect with something their association with colors with objects shapes it will happen on a very individual level Mm-hmm. So it's always going to be different and so beautiful but people don't want to just engage. Why do you think that is though? Because so I was hearing this conversation of yours with uh, Ranjan and mm-hmm. this is a particular interest of yours as well with especially art more like the blog that you guys do have um where <clears throat> you want to sort of rekindle this whole aspect of people actually engaging with and and Ranjan in in that particular interview said the visual arts uh, is what he thinks is struggling the most in India it does it does it takes a lot to be able to understand what's happening yeah. there i mean there's a song it could be in turkish it hmm. could be in russian it could be in you know whatever language or without language instrumental and you would still know if you like it or you don't like yeah. it right because it's easy to consume it's happening around you you don't necessarily always need to go somewhere to for it to happen But it could be it? a ringtone it could be anything does so we have visual art but a lot of it the visual art that is consumed is actually advertising hmm. there's visual art every single place around us That's there is yeah. there is i mean <laughs> that phone box 
every single thing has a graphic design yeah. somebody behind that who's actually created for it the color coding the the shape of it the lines and everything has been planned the text the the images everything. of the everything so text yeah. is also symbol exactly, right yeah it just has a certain <coughs> meaning which has been accepted up for mm. right so in different fonts and different uh, you know scripts and all you've kind of decided what you're going to read it as it could read differently i mean a table is a table right jerome ke jerome i mean so that's a brilliant poem and i love that you know because because that entire thing about trying to change something but that text is also a symbol the text when it's put on the box there is a composition that it is you know there how much you know what color is used how thick is it how thin is it, it tech, i mean that text can actually i mean it could show that it's a creepy or it's a it's a horror film or you know what kind of a whatever, font has yeah, been used yeah, yeah. whatever emotion you want to express you know and convey or message you want to convey it can be done through the text itself it could say green in words in alphabets mm-hmm. but it could be painted in yellow okay you know yeah. it can play with your mind as well but it's so it is also a visual you know composition part but when once you've done consuming all this it becomes very difficult to try and understand what's happening because this is easy to consume mm. it works on a very subconscious level and there are pundits who are sitting there yeah, trying yeah. to understand and they have really mastered that art and it's brilliant all kinds of strange things just pick up and they become viral and they happen you know i mean just the pepsi colors will sure. just just go viral and you know thumbs up will have a different thing and coke will have a different thing they have really mastered it mm-hmm. and these people are really good at what they do brilliant but the problem is that when people try and engage with the even try to engage with the visual art that's there in as the fine art mm-hmm. and in galleries and everything it becomes very difficult for them because it's not easy to understand why is the person doing this why is say you know chitto prasad making a woodcut or whatever about the bengal famine does it make any relevance to me right now but if you don't engage with it you just won't get what's happening that that engagement has to be there but akshay so stepping i'm i'm just yeah. trying to put three things here so stepping in to watch is a big challenge because most people feel that they yeah. can't enter or they don't want to enter or they, they will not understand what some what's of them are actually there. also scared so uh, yeah that's that, why i'm saying they're yeah. scared to enter yeah so how did this scare this fear where did this come from i think it comes from the gallery systems and i'm not right. taking away from them they do a brilliant job they represent artists they are very important there for the entire ecosystem mm-hmm. but the ecosystem is surviving the artist and the art is not necessarily surviving it's important to sell so the commercial mm-hmm. aspect is important but over a period of time what most of the galleries have been involved in is promoting just the artists that they have on their right. on board mm-hmm. so it takes away from the others and i'm not saying no gallery can you know kind of represent everyone why have the artists not taken to themselves to go out there and market themselves why don't they speak for themselves most of the artists that we have on artomore and we have interviews and reviews and all most of them don't want to speak about their art most of them don't even know about what about their own art oh, which wow. is again a very strange thing but it's very important for us to know how an individual knows very small things about themselves and then it is the art curators and the art writers and the critics who are putting those large words and you know mm-hmm. and and all the meaning into their art which never needed to be said right. a lot of art is done just done plainly because you know the person felt like doing it but you put in the large words and you put in so when artomore was started it was started with this concept in mind that we'll keep it at least in a language which is easy to consume because we've we've as an art fraternity we've actually scared away most of the people 
they walk in they read text which has which is bowls them over they yeah. don't know what's happening here <laughs> yeah it's like all jargon it's all like about the, the uh, what's it called the, the anthropocene procedure yeah. <laughs> i mean who's interested in that yeah, yeah. i mean academics absolutely mm-hmm. let's have an academic text also mm-hmm. people who are initiated into it people with philosophical bent mm-hmm. of mind but not everybody will walk in with that yeah. and i'm not saying that dumb it down it's not about dumbing now it's about making it accessible the problem is art today is not accessible mm. as a medium you know as a, as a, so why if i have my 300 bucks or my 500 bucks why would i want to take a taxi or a car and go to an exhibition and you know check that out when i can just sit home switch on my app and watch a yeah. you know i don't know salman khan movie or something because it's entertaining it doesn't matter or i'll just go out and you know have some bhel puri and everything that's you know kind of good time for with my friends or with my family and whatever why would i you waste that money because it would seem like a waste mm-hmm. so we when we were young i remember we used to be taken to museums and and different places it's an interesting thing and i now look at that same activity in a different way i look at the teachers how they behave what they what do they do and it is tough children are not easy and i remember <laughs> i would not have been easy also and i mean none of my batchmate would have been easy and they can be really pains you know they just because they want to defy yeah they'll just not allow but that how do you get them to be you know i mean these teachers where are those really brilliant teachers which can excite you about something that's what i'm saying i think it's about the curiosity and yeah. if, if that aspect of interest sparks through if it's a teacher who's taking like a school trip towards right. a art gallery right. and if you can see it from the teacher's eyes that even they are not just there because they have to do a job yeah. but they're actually interested about the art they actually care like what's on the walls and those kind of things and i think that does sort of seep through to the children that will be oh ma'am saying something interesting maybe hmm. i should think about this or maybe i should go and look about that i think perhaps it's that it's not easy but i That's think true. that you know the dif- most difficult job i think is teaching because it's not just knowing it's actually dispensing that knowledge giving it pa- passing it on to the person and keeping them excited enough about it to actually remember it and i remember a lot of my teachers and i and i have kind of you know wondered what was it about them that actually stuck with me why did i like this this teacher did i like the subject or did i like the way they taught they taught yeah cuz that's also interesting but i think and it's unfortunate i think it must be happening across the world at least in india i've seen that teaching as a profession is picked up because it's a supposedly easy you know right. and it's a 9 to whatever that time yeah. you spend there and you come back come back that's not how teaching happened teaching mm-hmm. i think is a very loaded thing you you actually pass on something and and the children with you know and especially the younger children they have very impressionable minds so when you give pass on something and you pass on something wrong or you pass on your anger you pass on your hatred about certain all these this the biases, you know, the biases whatever, and yeah. everything it is passed on because you believe in that person if you if you have that persona and that child is going to look up at you it becomes very dangerous so when you're playing with these things i would want that teachers be a little more human first mm-hmm. of all and be really skilled at what they are doing consciously knowing you know that this is what happens generally right. but always be on the lookout at least now that we you know i mean things have changed a lot and people with special abilities are getting some attention at least because i remember a lot of dyslexic you know i mean but nobody really knew what what was the problem but they knew that there was a problem with this child the child is not able to write properly and made fun of and you know and and the teachers also not taking in you know active interest in that mm-hmm. but right now things have It's changed better, i think it the entire education system also needs to change because i go back to the point where we learn for a job exactly yeah 
and we learn skills i mean i think skill training is brilliant because that gives you a skill mm-hmm. the skill should be there for every single thing <laughs> we should have short term courses for every single thing yeah. why not yeah. for sewing for carpentry for gardening you know why not because mm-hmm. those are all experiences unless you've experienced how do you know you like it or you don't like it that's for sure yeah so i think i think that that you know i, mean, I also have this thing called identity right i mean my identity today is a for me is a sum total of all my experiences and that's about it whatever i have experienced and i have retained from that that's who i am right now because i've changed according to that there will be external factors but those external factors also filter through who i am and mm-hmm. what i allow yeah and that is how so for myself at least i have decided i'm going to experience as much as i can whatever i can and try and do it for a certain period of time and see what i like from it and i'll retain whatever i like from it but i'll move on i'll never judge myself no you know i have to specialize in this i don't have to i don't want to be a master i want to be a jack of all trades i would really want to know every single thing that's happening around me yeah and this is this sort of points back to the thing we were speaking of earlier and i think so this is how i sort of see the arts because i was sort of hinting at asking you how you sort of look at the arts we sort of never got to that but i i believe the same way because i think that when you when you spoke about that initial thing of if you're reading, sitting down to write a a work of fiction or if you're painting a a painting or something of that sort it is simply all because of the people you've spoken to the places you've been they all sort of come together and form that work of art so you can't truly call it yours but right i, I don't know can you no no you can no i can call it mine but at least i'm conscious that it's not just me it's yeah. just filtered through it's just passing on through me yeah. i'm just the medium for it and i'm not talking about high power i'm just talking about whatever has surrounded me and pushed me to this point and that's what so in a lot of cases you know a lot of artists actually when they faced with a white canvas mm-hmm. we develop you know i mean cold feet okay so a lot of people i know actually just put a stroke on there or just just have a background color so it's no longer white i mean i don't know why they do that they can just get colored you know get somebody to just paint some not have a white canvas but that that act the f- especially for abstract artists the moment there is a stroke there's there's something there it starts your brain to think mm-hmm. and that's important especially for my i mean a lot of my uh, abstract art was you know just in the moment so i just do it finish it i'll just come back once more see what i see and then i'll end it there what is happening is i put a stroke and then i kind of move from that that stroke is pushing me to do something about it extend it erase it whatever it wants yeah. me to do yeah. but there's a trigger so i think these triggers are very important and learning about these triggers helps and then i learn a little later you know after some time that that trigger was actually based on some other trigger mm-hmm. so just learning about myself I think. So because we've been speaking a lot about like the specialization aspect of things and but also this whole aspect of being self-taught is there something that you sort of um would prioritize more than the other or do you think that one I, can I'm sort not of necessarily talking about self-taught what I'm talking about is experience mm-hmm. so that teaching yourself through experience but that experience should ideally come through the traditional thing there's right. absolutely nothing wrong in going the traditional way there is a format for it say it's a watercolor painting right there's a specific pattern that you need to do it do it and only when you're doing it you learn you learn what you like or you don't like about that medium you know yeah and that's the important part that you need to take away from that you might need not continue with watercolor but you can take away from that and then you know you can use it as when you do using acrylics mm-hmm. or you're doing something else completely so 
I mean, just the colors and how they float. Maybe you become, you know, somebody who's involved in textile designing. Your colors, your compositions, your, you know, collections, they can come from a different medium completely. But what you're saying is that if you sort of work in a particular medium, you will then sort of understand the intricacies perhaps of the medium, which I think you can sort of play around with it, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, self-taught, again, not taking anything away because I mean, people like even Francis Bacon said, I don't need a college. Mm-hmm. Because I do what I do and I'm good at it, right? And that's by doing Mm. and doing in a very focused fashion, trying to learn from that as to what I like and what I want to repeat and what I want to retain and what I I want to remove from my practice. But not everybody is really, you know, evolved. I mean, I, I think that's a sense of evolution where you're able to really understand what your mind is thinking because your mind can play games. So if you follow somebody's technique, just copy it. So mm-hmm. a lot of this study is very important. This human anatomy, I think that's very important for every single kind of art. Because you know better, be it for a sculptor, be it for a painter, installation artist, anybody. If you know the basics of things, you're able to defragment it completely, break it down to the bones and then build it up. I think then you have a better chance at trying to actually express what you've thought in your mind. Otherwise, you are limited in your expression. So your technique, right. your skill becomes you know, limited. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, I think it is important to learn. But even, even that, even those, um, even whatever you may have been thinking, mm. these are still barriers in some form, right? Because if you are going a traditional route, however much they may be sort of like aiding your process, they, they do have come through some sort of like sure. presuppositions that the person sure. sort of laying forward, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Because each one of us will pass on our biases yeah. to the other person. So it, that's just not yeah. possible to be, you know, uh, what's the word? I mean, where you can be unbiased. Right. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And you will be limited in certain things and you will be prejudiced mm-hmm. about certain things, which is fine. And so what this, do you do about yeah. that once you know that this is my bias or this is my prejudice? Do you change it or do you make it a part of your life? No, no, this is mm-hmm. exactly who I am. So how do you use that information? Are you going to change your life for that or not? I mean, so this sort of leads me to the other sort of question that I think a lot about, which is like, I believe quite genuinely that all all art is inherently political. And what I mean by that, this sort of leads to the same particular thing. Because you might think you've only painted like a picture of a landscape, but there might be something that's inherent in that. The fact that you did yeah. not paint anything political <laughs> is political it's in political itself. itself yeah. You can never be apolitical because there will always be a reason why you did that. Maybe people might say that in the current situation, it's probably not a good thing to paint certain things, mm-hmm. right? You know, I mean, the current regime or the current type of art critics, they would not agree to it. So you always self-censor. So the fact that you self-censored has already brought in that political part to it. And and I think all art is political. Yeah, yeah, I I feel the same way. Do you think the art and the artist can be separated? So in some sense, like I maybe sort of hinted at that. So for example, when the artist is on the journey of sort of creating that work of art, and then when it's done and it's on the walls or if someone, if I'm going and looking at it and you are going and looking at it, we have totally different perceptions of how and what we make of the art, right? So does that sort of mean that the artist then isn't as important and it's simply the art form? Like the art form has taken a life of its own, which many of the successful artworks have. Yeah, yeah. It Any does. artwork. Does, I think actually. that's yeah. what it should be, right? Yeah. I mean, Shakespeare wrote whatever plays he wrote at whatever time he did. Yeah. They've been reinterpreted and represented you know, everywhere across the world in films and theater and whatever. The artwork has its own life. 
and it will have its own life every single time it is done and you know i mean done as in it's an interaction between an audience and whatever it is there can we separate the art and the artist i think a lot of uh, celebrity thing comes from the or the you know a lot of you know so that connection is very difficult to remove so you might really like something but it's an artist you don't know about or the world doesn't really know a lot about so for you somehow it's not as great because not right. everybody has said that it's great so that thing doesn't never really goes away you know i mean mm-hmm. so that's difficult to i think it's difficult to remove that from our understanding so i've been trying to <clears throat> think about this and i was referring them my conversation with anj and this is something i asked him as well how i sort of interact with art or what art i'm sort of drawn towards i'm not entirely sure but i think it's primarily because of the the bent of mind i do have or the things that interest me otherwise and that's primarily what i seek out in my art as well so if i'm walking into a gallery there'd be certain works of art that will stick out to me more and will want me to spend more time engaging with them as compared to others do you do you have you thought around this like why do we engage with certain forms of art is it primarily because i think um, it's because of us yeah each individual i mean that's that's what i was actually saying that our individual structure mm-hmm. mental structure dictates how we are going to interact with the art and it can change if we are trying to you know i mean if we are with somebody who whose work we not does do not necessarily like but what's happening is that person is important in my life for whatever a xyz reason so if i'm standing with them i'll still enjoy that work supposedly because i'm enjoying that company mm. more than the artwork but i will as an individual when i have to you know i mean open heart situation where i'm i know what i'm liking what i'm not liking it's based on my biases it's based on my experiences based on what i consciously and subconsciously understand what i like yeah. so i come from my perspective and i look at an artwork and my engagement is individual and this engagement also changes every time i look at it yeah that's what i was going to so ask so i it's yeah, not yeah. A, it's not constant as well so next day i come and look at it and it's completely it's a different feel yeah, yeah it's it's talking to me in a different tone yeah so it will change it depends on my mindset at that specific time you know what is happening which is why which is so beautiful mm-hmm. and i just love if that could be articulated every time but then again it's too much of it's data much. To, yeah <laughs> to analyze but a computer could do that i For mean sure. uh, ai and machine learning i mean these things can you know help us to if that data was available mm-hmm. and it could be picked up analyzed but then i'm also looking at a show called the peripheral okay and i mean it's it's i mean it's something like what black mirror you know i mean remember right, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. and and how technology becomes a part and how it takes away everything that we are human for mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's interesting how if technology is a part of our lives who uses the technology even if it's technology using technology to you know i mean just know right. everything about us yeah. but it could be people actually doing it so it's actually about this sim- simulated games where you become a part of the simulated game and yeah i, I don't want to give out everything but <laughs> all i just want to say that it's quite interesting and it's not a novel concept mm-hmm. similar concepts have been done with the different it just the treatment of it is really well done so you right? get a part of the game and you start living in the game so the living the game and the reality start to become one spoiler alert okay <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean right. i think yeah. the trailers yeah. also yeah. carried that so so fair enough yeah so i mean i i just think that where do we stop hmm. understanding because this whole thing came from that part that you know i cannot assess everything that i experienced but, but if th- my thoughts could be captured yeah. i'm so sorry <laughs> if my thoughts could be captured 
and uh, we could assess what triggers me what what you know how i respond it's a brilliant data for advertising as well mm-hmm. it's it's a brilliant thing right and that's what the minority report was all about prediction and everything so it can predict what i want and even before i think that yeah. things would be available right or no or know it better than you think or know yourself better than you do maybe in some sense but that that whole excitement about yeah. something unknown i think it goes away right i mean so that becomes a ready regular job right that's the problem with a regular job if you know that what you're going to do every single day yeah i don't want at well, least yeah. i don't want to live yeah. that kind of life i want things to change i want the unpredictability a friend of mine has this astro app that he's developed and you oh, know damn. and uh, so the other day we were playing cricket so we play cricket together and i asked him so what does your astro and he said you just have to check that and i'm like no i don't want to i don't want to know i just don't want to know what's happening <laughs> even if it is right or true or right. not true and I'm, i'm sure it's based on some something that you've developed mm. right even our palmistry and everything i just don't want to know i mean it's it it's interesting to talk about interesting to see it's happening yeah. to others i don't want anybody to tell me because when that happening i will try and do the reverse i know that in myself <laughs> i want to rebel against whatever has been dictated that this is how it is going to be i don't want to keep that i don't want to not do something that i would have really wanted to do just because somebody has said that you know you're going to do this and i don't want to do that i'm sorry no, probably no. too many no's and everything that too many negatives in that and confusion there but no but basically i don't want my future to be told foretold to me so that i try and change it because it's been foretold fair enough i just yeah. want it to be there i just want to be surprised probably death will also be a surprise <laughs> so this is really interesting but there's so many things you sort of unpick i would like to sort of go back when we were sort of talking about like engaging with the work of art does it ever happen because it's happened with me with a few artists or like a few films or a few books that after reading a particular work of fiction like i've been totally different person after like it's had a very deep impression on my life or like how i sort of start looking at things can't doesn't art do that like there are certain works of visual art or there are certain films that after you've sort of consumed it or after you've sort of engaged with it um yeah it you sort of you don't know what to do with yourself like a few days so let's not go too far Yeah. Trying, I mean, I was going to give you examples about you know when I first time I read Fountainhead, the second time okay. I read, and the third yeah. time, and I've kept on repeatedly, repeatedly reading it, you know, right. over a period of time after a year, two, or whatever gap, you know. And each time I pick up something different, but that's not what I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I will talk about. Let's talk about something like this film called Udham Singh. Okay, right? I haven't seen it. A lot of people don't know anything about Jallianwala Bagh. What happened there? Mm. A lot of people know some things of what happened, right? What if they were to see that film? and it's stuck there there are issues with the you know the the line that they have taken and everything but a lot of it is fact based and and that fact that it happened that entire you know that tragedy it happened and there were people who were on the side behind the gun shooting and there were people on the other side facing those bullets and that's something that's uh, which hindi films have not really picked up the gore you know that it's just there the bullet hitting the person and you know the leg coming off or whatever i mean i know it could be traumatic for people as well once you've seen that can you unsee it you know about it and i and i'm saying that this is just a film whatever you what if you were to look at the gurnika which was by picasso right and and a lot of people quote about that not just because it's a statement of his about the world war but the fact that he actually made it for that you know he was outspoken enough ready to take on 
And I'm sure he must have had these privileges around to be able to do that. Can you just go away and not realize that, you know, war, what does war lead to? Mm -hmm. I mean, it leads to death. Whichever side, whatever, whoever is in the right or the wrong or whatever, there is death. So there will be a crying, you know, mother somewhere there or probably the mother is gone. So you really don't know. So can you really move away from that work of art? Can you move away from Chitto Prasad's famine, right? I mean, I know that artwork has to be strong enough to be able to pass on that message to you. But you have to be also open to receive that message. If you're standing in front of it, you read about the text if you don't know anything about yeah. what's happening. You don't get impacted immediately. You go back, just check about the Bengal famine and how many actually people died. And how many people actually know about it? Because there's so many people. We just moved on. Yeah. We've had this incident in Gujarat. Yeah. And I'm sure it will be... It, people won't even there's remember so it. Don't, yeah, there's people just, so just forget people, about yeah. it. We've forgotten COVID deaths. We just yeah. moved on. I know that, you know, that's the resilience of humans also, right? Time heals and everything and you've got to move on. You can't really conquer death. So you just move on and you just forget and, you know. Like what Stalin said, one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. Yeah. So you just move on. And, and so in the 80s, when we had the, uh, the Punjab problem, hmm. we would have every day in the newspaper, we would have so many six terrorists killed. So many Hindus killed, taken down from the bus. Beyond a point, there was just numbers. And I was not living in Punjab, I was living in Delhi. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily just happening around me. So initially it kind of shocks you, it numbs you, and then it just becomes part of life. So many people in the last decade or so have been made refugees for whatever reasons. And there are many reasons mm -hmm. and many countries. So let's not name them. Yeah. But each is a catastrophe. Each sure. life, each family, everything just lost. You know, and we just become normal. We just yeah. we just move on. We just move on. And it's a good thing to be able to move on. Otherwise, we just can't, cannot live if we have the burden of everything. But we just move on. And that's also a problem. And, and don't see the sort of... Um, we just sort of don't learn from the lessons from history. We don't see the similar things yeah. that perhaps are, um, are We love are to happening. repeat. We love yeah. to repeat. In different forms, but we love to repeat the same mistake in a different form. Because it's a very sort of scary concept to think about it. So one of the interesting things I sort of came across and I was thinking about this for so long was that when Hitler, this was before um, the, the the stuff happened with the Jews, but he, one of his most famous speeches, I don't know if you've come across it, he says that who today remembers the Armenians? Hmm. And most yeah. of his most of his sort of inspiration came from the Armenian genocide, yeah. which the Turkish government still sort of declines. And he was saying that, sure, I will get a lot of criticism for this for maybe 100, 200, 300, 400 years. But if we are able to sustain this and if we are able to go long enough, like who remembers the Armenians today or who remembers what Leopold did in Belgium? Like how, sorry, in, in Congo and how much of the wealth that Belgium have is perhaps through the raiding and, and, and the murders of no, but if the, if the writings had not been done, yeah. if the documentation had not been done, who would remember? Yeah. I mean, who would remember? That's the problem, right? Mm. Nobody really remembers. Everybody remembers because history is never a fact. Yeah. History is again, going back to that, it's yeah. always the victor writing something there. And it's again a matter of perception. Same thing can, you know, seem different to different people. Yeah, so Winston Churchill can win the uh, Nobel Prize for Literature yeah. for his account of the World War and have two references for the Bengal famine. But yeah. if there was someone who was perhaps from a fam family who suffered from it, 
might have a totally different perception i think all these prizes are anyways i mean yeah. <laughs> glorious ways of doing things yeah. yeah i mean there's a reason why they're given out and i mm. and i don't think there's a fair reason why awards are given at least i don't know i mean maybe they are there this this sort of leads me to so i was going through the blog and you guys have a great blog by the way i'd, I'd recommend the viewers to sort of check it out um so over there you also have critiques so over so what is your idea when you're sort of critiquing a work of art can a work of art be critiqued i think it should be can or not i mean i, I uh-huh. mean we are humans <laughs> and especially we are indians yeah. we critique that glass of water that has been brought to us <laughs> we can critique any single thing yeah. no but the point is to be uh, to come from a point of view which is your own and articulate in simple language as to why something appeals to you or does not appeal to you mm-hmm. also giving a context of what the general people will take away from it i think that's a that's a decent way of critiquing and uh, we just had uh, the other day prem singh sir who, who used to be the uh, principal of uh, college of art chandigarh okay and a very very good artist and well traveled artist as well and he's well spoken as well and he wrote about how art criticism today i mean there there aren't many people actually writing about they're very limited people i mean there's no space for art criticism in the newspapers or the magazines and all it's shrunk to the point where it's just not there almost but a lot of criticism is still being done a lot of people are still writing and i i think a lot of it is uh, advertisement it's just paid promotion so you hire somebody to write for you I'm not saying that the journalist should not be paid or the critics should not be paid for whatever they're doing but there is a you know I mean there's a slight yeah. conflict situation there because how can you write so you if you can still keep your objectivity there where you say that something is not right and uh, the other day there was a conversation between uh, so Vasfo uh, and Ranjan okay. were at an exhibition of DAG which is a brilliant exhibition at Bikaner House oh, yeah, it's IG about the, went, yeah. the march of uh, march of independence march of freedom i think march of freedom sorry yeah it, something like that i'm forgetting <laughs> the name of it it's a great, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant yeah, yeah. exhibition and amongst them they actually thought that it was a brilliant exhibition but they found the questions that were right at the end which was probably aimed towards a younger audience they found them to be unnecessary and scripted in a form in a manner which they felt could have been done better and they wrote about that i mean vaspo wrote it on, in his post and he he had since he knew the the curator and whatever he tagged them and they went defensive yeah. and i'm fine my my point is it is important to hold your fort and you know say that this was done this is the reason why it was done but they seem defensive because you know and this is how it should be done you're wrong oh, right. no no i don't think that's that's not being constructive because these the two of them were not trying to demean what they had done they just asking a good question yeah and there has a there is a logical answer and that's about it there need, doesn't need to be any you know calling out yeah. of sorts i mean anyways i mean all all things good and normal their relations are fine but but yeah. i think that that critique part right it should not become you sh- people should be open to criticism also and should be able to judge when it is constructive criticism and when it is because there is a dif- distinct difference between the two mm. people trying to pull you down with anything will criticize that's a different thing but people actually speaking good about you and saying that you know this is something i didn't like the fact that they are saying that i didn't like means that it is their perception first of all and not necessarily your fault so you don't need to take offense on that mm-hmm. but you can at least have a dialogue and try and understand why the other person felt that ways yeah expressing you, your reasons why and, and trying to understand why why they felt 
that it was not up to their mark. Maybe they feel that you are so good that anything less than that so good is bad for them. Right. So I think that engagement needs to happen and paid promotions need to go. And, you know, it's very difficult. It's becoming very difficult where you use only good words to express about art. Yeah. Nice is not nice. Explain why, it, why it's nice. Why is it what a makes pink it that, nice. yeah. yeah, why is it a pink that you like? Huh. Does it remind you of something? Does it remind you of that, you know, I mean, early morning or huh. whatever, late or baby's bottom? I don't know. What <laughs> does it remind you of? And you feel that, you know, there is a nost, because all these things are based on some nostalgia, some understanding. You could have read somewhere, seen somewhere, experienced somewhere. And that's what you connect with and try to express it out to the public, whoever is the reader. So I think it's important to do these criticisms very objectively. So you talked about this whole aspect that uh, this whole incident at Bikanir House with the with the curators there. Hmm. You are a curator yourself, like, yeah. and you and you curate a lot of these exhibitions in Delhi and otherwise as well. What are some things that go in your mind when you are sort of putting together an exhibition, when when it is about getting certain artists on? Or there's also one interesting thing I'd like to share. So yeah. um, I didn't know about this. I don't know if this is particularly a case that happens in India but I went to this art gallery once uh, with my friend and he told me that why you started from the left or the this uh, like when you're in a gallery it should always start from the right now I don't know if he was talking a very European centric way of of looking at art or maybe it was just that particular gallery but is that a thing as well like I you would have always to start? start from the left oh Asha I mean I'm, I'm surprised start from the I don't know either I, one I mean so so that's the I mean so yeah. let's let's get to that in a in yeah, a minute. Yeah. The curator's job, and I and I really don't know, and I keep asking other curators because I'm not trained as a curator. I have experience as a curator. Yeah. I've just started curating and I've tried to understand, okay, this is what comes under the ambit of the title of a curator. What does the curator do? Because the curator seems to be everything. And nothing as well, <laughs> right? I mean, that person is supposed to care, take care of the fabrication, of the deliveries, of the transportation, the display, the words, the PR, the sale, the every, every single, single thing, thing can kind of come yeah. into that ambit. And I have kind of asked others also, what do they think? What is what is good curation? What is bad curation? And how do you do it? And I and I learn that even the people who have supposedly come from an academic point of view of a, being a curator find it tough. Because there is no easy way of doing it. There can be a standard format, but if you don't customize it to your own self and to the person whose work you are representing, because when you are working as a curator, either you've been hired as a curator or you've decided that you will curate and you've got somebody to fund you mm -hmm. because yeah. finances are important, right? Sure. So I have generally worked for the artist. So I work, I don't work with the galleries. I work with the artist and I, so when I start working with the, uh, I mean, my role as a curator starts with understanding what they're doing, what kind of work body they have, body of work they have, what can fit into what they want to represent themselves right now, right? So, and I generally try to do solo shows of artists. I mean, I, I don't, there, there are a lot of curators who take money and exhibit, uh, you know, multiple artists, multiple artists yeah. which is fine and yeah. I mean that's what they're trying to do and it's more of a fair it's more of an mm -hmm. attempt to uh, sell those artworks with a specific bent of mind I try to so if I'm doing a uh, a group show that I'm trying to curate I'm looking at a common theme what is that common theme that you know should bring right. these people together yeah. why is it being done now 2017 I did a show called the Desi Canvas which happened along with the 
with the drifting canvas, which was Van Gogh and Monet and everything with the, the digital one at Select City Walk. I did week by week, eight shows. Each week, there would be a different show because that entire thing was supposed to be for two months. And I decided that I'll do all these eight shows and do them different. Let people keep coming back and, you know, different people. So I, that was an opportunity for me. They'd given me a carte blanche. You do whatever you feel like doing. And I'm really thankful to the art fraternity because they, they opened up their, you know, I mean, studios for me to pick works and do. From Anupam Su to Paramjeet Singh, Arpana Kaur. I was able to bring all of them in different phases, in different exhibitions, with different titles. There's a different reason why they're there. Right. So I tried to do each exhibition with a, with a concern. How do they blend together? Even if it is a sculpture and if it is a figurative and an abstract coming together, why do they come together? Yeah. How do I present it to the person that this is the reason, this is the thread that, you know, kind of connects them and make it sane and legible and understandable for that person. And not just because I've said it and I'm the curator and you've got to believe whatever I'm saying. No, you use your mind, but here's a trigger. Mm. You know, here's my entry ticket. And then now you enter and see how it is happening. So those are the group shows that I would want to do. If I'm working for a solo show, I actually work, sit down with this artist, look at their entire, you know, body of work, mm -hmm. criticize that, you know, this is looking nice, this is not looking nice. Why do you use, ask them questions? Because when I ask them questions, they come to know about themselves. Of course. Yeah. Why do you choose that specific medium? Why do you like this size? Why do you like to work sitting for you? Why do you do this? You know, I mean, are these questions help them also if they retain? I don't always, you know, I mean, <laughs> und underline it and, you know, that this is the reason. No, I also don't understand philosophy as much. I'm, I'm So I'm not trying to be a philosopher here. But I feel that when I ask these questions, they're able to understand better about themselves. Mm -hmm. So we're selecting their works based on whatever we are curating, the gallery. And then comes the, is in the end. Only, is there an input from the um, artist as well? Or is it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, it's a two and four. At the end of the day, and I tell them all the time that I am consulting. I am sharing my opinion, but it's your show. At the end of the day, you hear course, me out yeah. completely. You learn my reasons why I'm saying that. You don't want to go with that and you don't want to do specifically as you have decided, go with that. But this conversation needs to happen at least. I need to be sure that you understood what I was saying and your decision is based on what you want to do, irrespective of whatever I said. And I can live with that as long as yeah, that. Because people are coming for their name, right? Like no, this yeah, particular they, it's art. Yeah. There, it's yeah. their art. Yeah. That art is, I mean, why should I change <laughs> their persona, right? They're not supposed to be filtered through me. Yeah. I am just going to be that, that mirror for them who's asking them the questions where they have not been looking at. Mm. So that's very important for them. That's why, I, that's what I feel is very important. That during this entire exercise, and I try to tell them everything that is happening. They don't need to come back to me the next time. They can probably, you know, use it for themselves. How to choose, what to do, what, you know, what are the pitfalls, how, what happens. Even sharing vendors and names and framers and PR companies and everything. I'll try and bring, and I'll educate them about it also. That these are the five PR companies. This is what they're good at. This is what their pricing is. What is your bracket? What do you want to spend? How much do you want to spend? So give them that information because I want to educate. I, I want to pass it on to them. It's up to them to use it or not use it, right? They could still come back to me and that's happened mm. also. So the thing is, while I'm educating them, I am also learning more about what I, you know, I mean, this structure happens spontaneously. I don't prepare for it. I kind of know it in mind. Like this conversation that I'm having is just spontaneous. I'm just 
responding and that is why a lot of times i'm moving away from the actual question because yeah i'm, I'm just saying guys we can do that right? <laughs> <laughs> it's important. not like a sound bite you hear on like republic tv or yeah. one of these other platforms right so moving on from that <laughs> no comments on that no so what i'm trying to say is that my education and it's not i'm not the teacher mm-hmm. but i'm just sharing my experience because i feel that they when they take that decision which is their decision to make they will have an informed decision because they've they know the options mm-hmm. they choose from the options say we have i mean i've worked with artists for couple of years before we actually gone in for an exhibition there are few with whom you know the conversations have happened 4 5 years back okay. and the body of work is still happening why should i you know push them to do something at the end of the day it is their show that has to happen so i educate them on what they are creating why they are creating having these conversations because these conversations are important for the artist to understand about themselves but beyond a point it becomes something that just needs to be done because there is a deadline approaching the pr will need you know certain names there the images have to be there and artists can be really bad with data okay and data management so data is photo nahi hogi you know i mean the photos are not available we don't know how, what is the size of this okay. many i don't uh, know when i finish this so <laughs> i don't have the dates for this so all these things are important so mm. each artist you know i mean trying to help them build their own portfolio that becomes yeah. a portfolio yeah. right you take photographs you it's a very basic thing but it has to be done because when you're making the price list you're making the you know just the exhibitor you know i mean whatever you're making mm-hmm. it has to be in a format that can be given there was a time when people used to make catalogs and that's become you know exorbitantly yeah. just not possible right now unless you are funded by somebody or you are funding it yourself mm-hmm. and you've got big pockets most people do an online kind of a thing just make an e you know just a pdf invite, or whatever yeah. just not just an e invite but the catalog you know of right. works huh. and everything and the description about them you know a lot of people just don't want that also because that's a lot of you know work and artists shirk away from this kind of and they want somebody else to do it i am fine with somebody else you know capturing it together and putting it in a structured format which is understandable for the reader who is going to mm-hmm. open that catalog but that information should come from the artist at least that artist mm-hmm. should know what is happening why it is happening what is the title of that work why is that work title in so you know i mean so it, it is titled the framing is important what kind of a frame are you putting because everything you that you do at the end of the, the day is for a purpose you want to exhibit your artwork for somebody who is going to walk in right what do you want to convey is one question how do you get these people to reach so that's the pr that's that's everything how do you make a list of people send it out to them who do you need to meet who, who's a chief guest do you need a chief guest do you need an opening you don't need an opening so you have to work around with these artists and get to that point where their comfort with their own exhibition is there i think that is at least for me that's very important when we do the exhibition display and that's where i want i think that's where the conversation and i said that i'll come back to it in a minute if we start from okay. the left or the right or whatever oh right yeah yeah i think these age should be there hmm. where do you start from so i walk in say i am slightly understanding of what's happening in okay. art and i like yeah. to go to galleries i still need support to understand how the show has been put up <clears throat> so i would also think about what is the vantage point when i enter so i enter a gallery 
this is what I see. What do I see? Do I want to restrict the view? Do you want? Do I want to give a longer view? Do I want to give the view of every single thing in a single shot? So you could just walk in. A lot of galleries are just like a mm -hmm. single cube, right? I mean, it could be just one large hall. Yeah. So I could just walk into the center and turn 360 degrees and I've seen the Amen. entire show. Yeah. Do I want to create barriers for people to walk through a labyrinth or something? Mm -hmm. There has to be a purpose to why the exhibition has been placed in, you know, in, in that fashion. So that's very important. But while I am doing that, I have to be conscious about that. What I am thinking and which is obvious to me might not be so for the person who walks in. So how do you create aids? I remember people putting... Uh, so you have these insoles of the okay. of the shoes. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. They actually just put yeah. insoles in the direction that you need to move. So that's actually a very easy way of mm -hmm. messaging, right? Or you could put the number one, two, three, and that huh. already puts us... Or know, some people do like the marker. Like the just a mark or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. You put a table in the middle and see the difference, how it makes a difference. Does the person come straight at you? Hmm. Or a lot of people actually avoid the first instance to just come and talk. Okay. If it's an unknown artist, mm -hmm. they'll come and they'll try to avoid the... Because <laughs> they don't want to have the conversation yet. They don't know what they're looking at. Yeah. Right? So... Where do you place that? And where do you place that artist within the uh, within the display of the artworks? It's very important. Does the artist even need to be there? Yeah. Or should the art be able to speak for it on its own? Right. Do we need a text next to it? What is the lighting that is required? Because lighting is also very important. How do you highlight? Because all these things work on a very subconscious level for a visitor. So I would like to use all things available to me and at the same time use the basic messaging, you know, options to make it easy for the person to consume what they have come to. I mean, they've made an effort. Yeah. They've made an effort. So respect that. Uh -huh. and, yeah. and and if, as you're saying, like if you initiate these kind of aids or these kind of small things that you yeah. might make the, uh, what's it called, the experience a little more convenient for perhaps someone, like I was referencing the whole aspect, ki, there's some people who are simply scared because they're perhaps intimidated, intimidated by the whole gallery uh, scene. And yeah, I think that would go a long way. Yeah. But you'd, you'd probably have artists who'd be, so there'd be some who'd probably be, what's it called? could be too enthusiastic. So they would mm. sort of be uh, very pushing towards as to this is how we could do this. And there would be some who'd be hands off, right? But that's simply on how, yeah, how things Yeah, I just in. let that be. Yeah. I mean, I, I just speak my stuff mm -hmm. to a point where I know that they are trying to receive. And if I see that they don't want to receive, then I, I mean, ideally, I don't work with these such artists who just don't want to listen. Then there's no point in coming to me. Yeah. The point is that if you are choosing me as a curator, why are you choosing me? What do you really want from me? Mm -hmm. And I and I ask all the artists to at least explain to me what do they expect out of me? Because I tell them, I don't know what, the, what is the role of a curator. I can do a lot of things. Which part do you want me to do? So then that's when we try and understand. And once we have established that, they have a right over overruling every single thing that I say. Yeah. And I'll be fine with that. As long as I know that they're open to listening. Because the challenge comes <clears throat> when it's all premeditated and they just want my name. Yeah. I mean, although I'm not a name, name, mm -hmm. but yeah. some people feel. So they ask me and I, and I don't want to agree for that. You'd probably get a lot of questions from perhaps upcoming artists as well, like as to how they can sort of showcase their work or how they can sort of um, 
I don't know, work their way up, um, sort of getting their works in different walls and different galleries uh, across the country, uh, etc. Is there some tips that you do give to perhaps people who are upcoming in this space? Um, so there can't be same tips for everyone. Of course. Because <clears throat> yeah. that individual artist is important, right? Is, is he a sculptor? Yeah. Is he an artist? I mean, where has he, what level of, you know, career is he at? and he or she at and what do they want to do and what do they want to achieve do they want to just sell their works do they want to be known better do they specifically want to do this so that they can apply for a grant somewhere you know there can be different reasons why a person is exhibiting or want uh, to do certain things in their life you know in terms of getting their art out there so once i know that thing and I generally have time. I, I don't know. I, I find time for people. So <laughs> I don't mind. As long as there's nothing really, really pressing where I just can't yeah. do anything about it. I'm so sorry. But yeah, I don't mind conversations. Because I learn more from them. <laughs> While I'm telling them, I learn a lot of exactly, things that I yeah. know. You know, okay, I know this also. Okay, I know See, this I, I just I just tell my uh, YouTube viewers that this I have a podcast. I just use these as like therapy sessions for myself primarily to pick the uh, pick the brains of my guests. So yeah, just... Um, I think one of the reasons why I came on this <laughs> is that also. Because I'm also enjoying this, this entire thing. When I speak, I hear what I speak. Yeah. And as long as I'm, again, you know, that conscious about what I'm saying. So I judge myself also, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I learn so much about myself. So just coming back to that question where you asked about how do I, what are the tips or something? They're very basic things, you know, and I, and I think looking at what these senior artists have also done, they've done brilliantly, whatever, but they've done brilliantly in an, in a time and age where things were much different. Today we live in an era where social media, NFTs, everything is a reality. Mm -hmm. So you can never really go away from there. So it is important for the artist to understand who, try and understand who they are, first of all. Yeah. What is their art about? And then if they are, they should always have a portfolio. They should always create images, you know, small snapshots. They should have emails prepared for the, you know, to send out. Mm -hmm. If they're scoping any, any gallery to, you know, to represent them or just to have a conversation and understanding from them. They should know which galleries to apply to. Not every gallery is going to be there. So just check for the gallery. Check about what's happening in that gallery at least. Do they represent, you know, artists who are of the same age bracket, style of work? What, what do they do? <clears throat> and it is important to not pester them. They yeah. have their life settled. Yeah. You want to reach out to them. Yeah. Send them a very simple mail with just small thumbnails and all. And ask them if there is an opportunity either for you to bring over your works to them, you know, or, or on an iPad or in a digital format or in a printed format mm -hmm. as a as a scrapbook or not scrapbook but as a port printed right. portfolio yeah. you can take to them or you can bring a couple of works to them or you can invite them to your studio that can be a subsequent thing or they can if they want you can send them slightly higher resolution image don't send them immediately because that just clogs their email I don't think they are looking for that and there are many people applying right so I think these are tips that very basic things that an artist can do to reach out to them and like we were talking about read more to create more mm -hmm. go out there and see other people's work go to the galleries not just for networking I'm saying <laughs> but it is a good place to network the people are there yeah so and they're like-minded people because if they yeah. come to a gallery yeah. yeah I mean you could be really focused that no I want to speak to this you know this person because this person is going to be there I know that person is going to be there Fine, yeah. go and do it. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, be truthful and see what is around you. 
right because somebody else's exhibition opening might not be the best place for you to you know give your card and say you know you can go with that mindset <laughs> yeah. and if things happen give your card but that's different from you know really because people can judge yeah. people can judge that you know why you are there mm-hmm. so yeah i mean and and you need to be there and that's i what, think many times if you don't have this uh, agenda in the back of your mind that acha i have to get my work here or mm. i have to get this guy on my show or if i have to get this whatever and if you just go up to them and have a general conversation i think that just leaves a better impression and obviously if that's something you want to do further on later on if that's something that they're interested in i think that's a more healthier and a better way yeah yeah this is normal networking <laughs> which can happen without being really blunt exactly. about it exactly yeah just be casual while you're doing that and and it can happen it can happen that's the whole point you don't really need to push it a lot but you need to be prepared what if they ask you okay do you have anything do you have an instagram yeah. do you have a portfolio that you can share if you don't then it, it's going to be go waste right you got that opportunity and you are not able to utilize that so at least be prepared with the stuff that you can prepare For i sure. think that's what i would tell yeah. them So, like we've spoken about, um, perhaps some aspiring artists and how they can sort of work around the whole um, space. Are there sort of some because we were talking initially about when as a curator, some right. of the things that you keep in mind uh, when you are curating. But so in in this conversation with Ranjan that I was referencing earlier, something I didn't actually know because the Indian uh, the National Gallery of Modern Art is one place I haven't been. I've been to a bunch of others, but somehow that's been one I haven't been to. and you guys told me that the ticket price is like 20 rupees and used the, to be it used to be okay but but still like um and it's it's quite like the the footfall isn't the best um, yeah. what are some tips that you have or maybe why people should engage with it i can't guide why ngma does not get enough footfall i don't think they will like but the location is quite right as well right like it's india gate or something close yeah, to yeah. that yeah it's on the india gate yes yeah. It's right next to Bikaner House. Yeah. If you've been to Bikaner House, this is right next yeah. next to it, just before that in the circle. So I did a course from uh, Indira Gandhi National Center of IGNCA, and uh, it was on cultural management. And we had a specific thing about museum outreach, how to get yeah. people right. I mean, museums and and organizations of art, how should and what should they do to get people to become a part of there? I mean, what can they do more? so like you have examples of tate and other you know i mean moma and all where they have programs for children for single moms you know so they are thinking out of the box and trying to get something to trying to get a newer audience in because the artists and people tourists are definitely going to come to all museums right i mean because everybody knows that tourists come for the uh, to the museums how do you get other people to come and how do you build a community because what is the nature of a museum is it just going to be a repository of dead things and things of the past or can this museum be a really evolving thing and you know it can become a place for community build up can it be a place where people congregate to discuss what is there in the gallery only how do you get that to happen and that's very important how do you make it a a live space it it has not happened in most of our mm-hmm. museums a lot it we don't have enough museums that's also true we we need many more museums i i personally think but again if those museums are just going to be the same state that the rest the consisting because many 
even with this uh, museums that we do have and the, and the and the galleries many of yeah. them don't have the best uh, like the, sh- the, the they don't have they aren't in the best of shape like someone was telling me yeah. like a friend of mine he, he i think he did history from uh, st stephens and he was saying that some of these uh, works of art and some of these manuscripts that they sort of have to go through for their assignments perhaps or just just are in very poor condition yeah and some of them have been lost like thousands of years old simply because um the libraries aren't kept in check or whatever the politics so of it so human are. errors will always be there yeah. apathy will always be there yeah. uh, greed will always be there people will sell off things and you know, so so all these things will lead to a point where uh, they suffer be yeah. the lalit kala academy be the national gallery of modern art iccr private galleries private museums public museums every i mean so all they will suffer because there are plethora of reasons it's not just one reason and it's not just them who are at fault of course every one of us are at fault have we taken an initiative to do something about it the national museum is going to the building is going to be dismantled uh, demolished how many of the people are actually speaking about it i don't see anybody i have actually sent out petitions i have sent out to mails to artists to at least to you know to come together that the national museum content is supposed to be relocated to the north and the south block fine they've decided without our consent but that's okay i mean i supposedly because we've elected them into power we no longer have a right to question which is stupid because that's the entire thing hmm. that whoever is in power should be answerable for what of they course. do yeah. and something of such a large scale there should have been proper public debate and i know i'm sure that you know once i've said this there will be a lot of people out there saying two things one that the public doesn't know that's one thing which makes no sense second they will say that there has been a lot of debate there was even the court case and you know they were heard no there was not i'm sorry to say and you know i mean with all respect to the judiciary but you are not performing mm. you're not perf- you've not heard everyone i was not heard i mean let's let's put it that way i was not heard so and and i know that a lot of other people were also who are substantial who are architects and bodies and everything they were not heard but just coming back from that why is there no outcry to save that building that building was the first national museum that we yeah. had yeah. right currently in bihar in patna we had the patna museum which was already there a new bihar museum has come it's a beautiful it's a very different kind of a museum it's been designed by the japanese uh, okay. architect and all and it's a beautiful space how it has been created and a lot this of this is in patna itself it's in patna itself and yeah. it's just i think about 2 km 4 km from from the patna museum from the old piece okay yeah yeah and they are right now building a tunnel underneath to connect the two museums they've decided that both will remain and one will carry this the other will carry this so they've made an understanding of they have created new without demolishing what the, what what existed i'm not even saying that you know you connect everything and at least let that museum that national museum building which is beautiful mm-hmm. remain as something because we i i remember from my younger days i have been there school family we've been there repeatedly and i'm sure that the others would have to make it a space for art and culture why not why do you need to demolish every single thing what is this this uh, fascination by creating from scratch i mean why do you need to demolish to create yeah i can't understand that so where is the outcry to save that building where is the outcry when you know uh, i mean say where is the support when museo camera actually reaches out and says that we are not necessarily very funded we need your support mm-hmm. can you buy tickets for the future 
So whenever we open after the COVID thing, at least we can pay everyone yeah. that we have on our staff. How many people actually did that? And you know, Aditya is doing a brilliant job that he keeps it on, and he's got people there, and there are so many activities that happen there. Mm. But where is the public really trying to do? No, no. You know, I mean, just because I am not an artist does not mean that I don't engage with art. Of course. And does not mean that I have a contribution towards, you know, towards art. Mm. Artists need to survive. Of course. Yeah. Right. Why do you need to bargain with these artists for every single, you know, I mean, whatever price they might have quoted, and they might be absurd. But life is absurd. Mm -hmm. Why should an iPhone be fourteen B, whatever yeah. price it is? It's just because they've decided, and you will agree with that. But why do you need to bargain with the artist that you know mm -hmm. you've done just done this and it's just a small size? Why should it be a per square foot rate? There should be a rate for the content that appeals to you and beyond just that. So. I I think it's a very large question where you know the public debate has to happen, but the conversation is not there, yeah. and the artists, art galleries. I mean, whatever. When I say art galleries, I just mean the the commercial setups of it, uh, of handling. So I mean, they can be the auction houses, they everybody, and the public. We are why are we not on a common platform anywhere? Why is there such a lot of gap? That gap should go away, na? Yeah. What is the purpose of art? That's again a big question. What does art do? When I engage with art, what do I get? Do I cry? Pleasure. Do I laugh? What what it gives me emotions? New, new perspective, yeah. It gives me emotions. emotions it is right, there yeah. is an emotional connect. It can be anger also. I want to tear it down. You know, it's so bad, or you know whatever is depicted. I don't agree with it. I need exactly, to tear it down. Yeah. But it's been there has to be a reaction to it. At least have a conversation. People yeah. just don't want to converse with that. So I think in in this large perspective, every stakeholder is to be blamed. Artists are to be blamed because they are not taking the necessary yeah. steps to really reach out to the public. I think the the intermediaries need to do much more than what they are doing. Probably they are doing a lot for the artists. I, I'm not judging them, but are they really getting the crowds in? Are they making it easy to access, or are they making it a niche, you know, for that niche audience? Because then the there's more appreciation in right. in money, but that's not. Yeah. the only thing the, the the larger thing should be for the general public to just come as a regular thing that you know i go there yeah delhi culture is very sad that way i mean i i see more people in mumbai going to museums to galleries kala ghoda everywhere they just go and it's good to see that yeah are we doing enough public engagement exercises to actually do that I think this will definitely help. Like I can see your sort of passion that sort of seeps through. I think, and that's something I sort of tell my friends as well. That because people say, "Ki let's go watch a movie or let's go to a cafe." Like we can go to an exhibition and like look at art, works of art. So I think, yeah, I think it's you can be, just go via. Yeah, go via exactly. Yeah, yeah, just go to the gallery or go to Museo Camera. Like why they have a cafe next excellent door. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. So that's another thing. A very basic thing at all galleries. Yeah. There should be a possibility to sit down. converse have something to yeah. eat because if that's not there it becomes very difficult for sure, for sure. don't let it be cut and dry i mean the exhibit the festival that i used to do i am it was 25 day festival 40 you know events all kinds of different things so exhibition happening on the walls and while that exhibition is happening i keep changing what are the events happening in the middle you'll have stand up comedy you'll have a workshop of you know book cover making urdu script writing whatever <laughs> you know that comes so try and get people who would not necessarily go to a gallery and get them to come for something else so there there is a workshop for children they, yeah. and the parents come to drop and while the child <laughs> is you know engaged in that workshop they just walk around i'm not asking you to buy i'm just saying 
find time <laughs> to at least just engage with what is there yeah. so we can always do this why don't more restaurants and everything have it as a as a regular exercise it should be for standard for everyone and not brilliant you know these these spaces yeah. i myself i'm trying to create a space and yeah. for the last 10 12 years <laughs> but now i i think it's going to happen maybe early next year at least so i want Looking to have it, yeah. that yeah so i want to have that space where i want to invite people for different reasons and give them an opportunity to engage with more than one form of art and for artists as well because one artist like we were talking about this specialization yeah i am an artist who is engaged in visual art i don't want to engage with somebody who's you know doing something else why not at least hmm. that's also an art form and you are a human being so you should consume what's <laughs> happening right i mean you shouldn't just shirk away from that so so getting just the artists also to engage with different forms of art i think that's what my mission in life i is. think <laughs> i think that's a great way to sort of um leave this conversation and this yeah. conversation akshat i've had a fantastic time i've really enjoyed myself i think i've only scratched the surface there's so much else that we could have <laughs> talked about um but hopefully sometime again in the future sure. um it was a great time having you on is there any last words you'd like to leave the um audience with any where they can find your work where they can find your social media handles so, i mean artomore as well if you'd like to give a shout out artomore.in is the www.artomore.in is the blog art blog that we run so you can find artist interviews reviews and articles on art then uh, delhi street art you can just instagram us yeah. and facebook twitter we are everywhere and you can just check out the walls you can check on google as well so a lot of places that we worked at mm-hmm. we put the tag so okay. if you put yeah. check for street art nokkar that will take you to the hoskas place that okay. we have done yeah. delhi street art is done then um, what else i do i mean i am i think i have not done in for the last 2 years because of COVID. the covid situation yeah. i tried to convert it to a website but i want a physical engagement so right. hopefully that will happen next year so i'll have more to share but you can check for i am identity art mm-hmm. marathon is the name that it was and uh, yeah i mean akshat sena you can find me on facebook and instagram, instagram. yeah and i'm there on twitter but i have kind of shut it off for yeah. myself it's <laughs> just too much much healthier <laughs> yeah there's just too much toxicity happening there so I, i'm fine without that yeah you can find and i'm searchable on google yeah and i mean I, I'll, my I'll numbers be, be. and everything are there i mean you can just drop me a message i generally respond right as long as just not you know i mean i i don't respond well to trolling yeah. i'll get back to you <laughs> on that but yeah i mean otherwise yeah i'm i'm open to conversations and i really want to work with people who want to do something i want to have these conversations i mean like i'm i was really thrilled to have this conversation with you no. and i know i have been speaking too much <laughs> no 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 this is your space man like <laughs> no no i wanted to also kind of read from your reactions and and probably the viewers will have something to say yeah. about this i want to know what people think when i say certain things because these are the things that i have kind of you know filtered for myself crystallized for myself that this works for me mm. i just want to know does it resonate with others i mean I'd I think that's all. That. That's everything that anyone is trying to do, right? Like yeah. trying to fit in. No, I mean fitting. It's not not. No, no. I'm fine where I am. <laughs> I'm not fitting in. I just want to know: is it something that happens with others as well? I mean, so right. my idea of art engagement, hmm. you know, the specialization, identity, every single thing. I just want to know if it resonates with others. I'm ready to change my opinions. Also, yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. As long as there is a reason why it should be done, I'm not stuck to things. Great, great, great. There's so much to think about and so much to ponder. This yeah. was great. Thank you so much for coming down. And um, yeah, see you guys in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye bye.